The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Making Love with your host, Colette Milan. All of us want to be loved. In this show, we'll explore how lovemaking really does make more love in your relationship and how essential real love is to good sex. Tune in for advice on how to become a better lover and how to love sex more. Here is Colette Milan. Hello. Welcome to Making Love Radio. I'm Colette Milan, and I'll be your host. My co-host today is Kimberly Smith. Kimberly is my amazing executive assistant and right-hand girl. She's the wind beneath my wings, and she makes my dreams come real- become realities through her supportive talents. A little bit about me. I'm a psychotherapist, a marriage counselor, and a certified sex therapist. But the most important credential I have is that I've been married for 38 years, and I've experienced firsthand the many challenges that bombard and wear down intimate connection. I've learned how to work through those challenges, how to really unconditionally love, and how to make more love in my relationship through developing the skills of delicious lovemaking. In this show, I'll explore with you how you can have true love and great sex. In these shows, you will learn how to really love, how to become a better lover, and how to enjoy sex more. You'll see how lovemaking really does make more love in a relationship and how essential real love is to good sex. So, let's get started. In today's show, we are going to discuss the topic of adult children of emotionally immature parents. In particular, we are going to talk about how being an adult child of emotionally immature parents can affect your marriage and your sexuality. My guest today is Dr. Lindsay Gibson. Dr. Gibson is a licensed clinical psychologist with a private practice in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Dr. Gibson is the author of the book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, and also the book, Who You Were Meant to Be, A Guide to Finding or Recovering Your Life's Purpose. Welcome, Dr. Gibson. Oh, it's a pleasure to join you, Colette. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am so excited to have you on our show, and I am so excited about your book, I remember I found out about you by randomly hearing you on another radio show and thinking, what an interesting topic, because I have several clients that I felt would be really interested in your topic. Uh, I told them about your book, but I didn't necessarily think that I would need your book. 
I didn't right. necessarily see my parents as being immature. But when yeah. I started reading your book, I thought, this book was made for me. I can see how some of my experiences growing up left me with a sense of aloneness that later affected my intimate relationships. So I'm wondering how many other people in our audience can relate to being raised by immature parents that affected their ability to be intimate in their later relationships. So I want to dive in. I don't want to waste one second because I really want to pick your brain about this topic. (laughs) So, Dr. Gibson, um, of course, we assume that grown-ups are more mature than their children. But what happens when parents are immature, when they lack the emotional responsiveness necessary to meet their children's emotional needs? Yes, I just I just want to lead in Colette by saying that it's so mind blowing that um, our parents, who are our epitomes of grown upness, can actually be less emotionally, psychologically mature than their children. It's just mm. uh, it's mind blowing, but it's also very true. So I think part of the appeal of the book, um, at least from the readers that I've heard from, is that this is sort of a um, revolutionary concept to think that you might be dealing with a parent who is in some ways younger than you are in the way that they approach life. So, so that, I just want to say that at the outset because it, it, it's always such a stunner when I introduce that in psychotherapy because people are like, what? No. Um, <laughs> but as we go on, we find out that uh, it actually is one of the best explanations for some of the things that, that parents do that are so hurtful to their children. Um, one of the, the, um, the worst things that happens with emotionally immature parents is that Like you said, they really do lack the emotional responsiveness to their children. Um, And the result is a kind of emotional neglect, which is just as real as any kind of physical deprivation. Uh, You know, babies can fail to thrive not only from separation or abandonment, but if their mother is not responsive to them, something inside them just kind of starts to curl up and die. So this is serious survival stuff we're talking about. But um, emotional neglect by these parents leads to a condition that uh, I call emotional loneliness. Um, it's not just that you're alone. It's that in terms of your emotional needs, you are not getting those met. And this can have a long-term impact on your trust of other people, uh, your feeling about yourself, your ability to have healthy relationships, rewarding sexuality. I mean, it it sends out tendrils to all different parts of your life. But basically, the emotional loneliness is a feeling that something must be the matter with you because your efforts to make an emotional connection with your parent are just not working. They are not responding in the way that gives you that click of, I'm being seen, I'm being um, loved, they're interested in my inner world, we're making, a, um, we're making an emotional bond. And when that's not there, 
there's an empty place that's left behind in the person. And this can persist, you know, into old age, um, where you can look on the outside like you're, you have a career, you have children, you've, you've checked all the boxes for your adult life, and yet people can still have that, that aching feeling of emotional loneliness, like they never quite properly hooked up with people at an emotional level that really fills them up. So it's, emotional loneliness is, is something that is extremely important because we're all made to connect and to belong and to be cherished. And when you don't get that, when you don't have someone to share your inner world with, or you don't have another person's sympathetic interest in what you're talking about, you end up feeling empty and alone in the world, like you're on the outskirts. So uh, this lack of emotional connection, I would say, is, is the most serious issue with having emotionally immature parents. I have a question for you. This is Kim. <laughs> Does yes. it happen by a certain age? Like, is there a certain age, you know, how they say, oh, you need to teach somebody this by five, otherwise it's really hard, they're not going to get it? Is there uh-huh. kind of like a certain age to where this needs to be met in a person? Well, it starts it starts prenatally. <laughs> How's that? Oh, okay. <laughs> because like the right whole, away. <laughs> the, yeah, the whole the whole attachment to the mother is a part of this process of emotional connection. And so very small children can have the feelings of emotional loneliness. I just want to stress that we do seem to have this healthy core in all of us. I mean, unless there's some physical damage or some kind of brain injury. But but I've worked with people who have felt so lost and so alone. And we do have this healthy core self that's always looking for the connection. And that's one of the beauties of good psychotherapy is when you can make that connection with someone who understands you and also understands what happened to you, that feeling of loneliness can go away. So, you know, the good bad news is it, it starts very, very <laughs> early, that need for it. The, the good news is that you can get it back even after you're an adult. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. That is actually what I was curious about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you talked, Dr. Gibson, um, about emotional loneliness. And um, in your book, you said that emotional loneliness comes from not having enough emotional intimacy with other people. And in mm-hmm. your book, I loved what you said about emotional intimacy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Emotional intimacy is um, oh, it's it's central to any uh, good relationship. It's it's the thing that you you have to have if you're going to feel rewardingly connected to another person. And basically, what it is, it, it, it's very simple. Um, we we those of us who are lucky enough to have had good relationships know what it's like to have a best friend or they know what it's like to be close to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. They, they're really lucky they know what it's like to share your fears with your parent um, because basically emotional intimacy just means that you have someone you can tell anything to. You have someone that you can go to with all your feelings about anything and everything and you won't feel judged or uh, that they'll be repelled by anything. They just are interested in understanding you. 
So that gives you, a, a, you can imagine, that that gives you such a, a completely safe feeling in opening up to this person because you're not afraid of being shamed or ridiculed. Uh, you can let yourself be open and vulnerable, and you can really be yourself. You can be all of you. It can be a silly little fear or a petty resentment. And, you know, when you have a good connection with someone that you can be emotionally intimate with, you know you can tell them and they won't think badly of you. So it's kind of like it's the most fulfilling sense of connection that can go on between two people where you feel seen and you feel liked for who you really are. And it really can only exist when the other person wants to know you and is interested in what's going on in your inner world. So does it come with feedback or are you just tech, you just listen, just to listen with no feedback to the other person? Well, you know, it can go both ways. Um, at, least, at least personally, I've experienced it this way, and I'd be interested to know what you all have experienced as well. But um, I have been with people who gave me excellent feedback, and I come away feeling, feeling understood, um, and we have a wonderful connection. And then I have also talked to other people, and just, I'm telling you, just the look in their eyes, <laughs> I can tell that they know what I've been through. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so it, you know, I guess that's a kind of feedback, but it's not words. It's, um, they're not adding anything to what I'm saying, but I can see that I have touched them. Mm-hmm. And so that seems to be the most, um, essential part of it. The words are nice, but, just having somebody look at you with understanding and sympathy is, is really all it takes. Because think about it, you know, when, when we're uh, little babies and toddlers, we don't understand everything that our parents are saying to us when they comfort us, mm-hmm, but we sure true. get the feeling. Yeah, so it's a, very, it's a very ancient part of the brain that, that knows when we're being connected with. So, Dr. Gibson, we're going to take a break in just a minute, but I wanted to ask you to just briefly define what uh, emotional immaturity is in general. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's that's a a fascinating uh, topic. Um, I mean, I wrote a book about it, but, but it's fascinating because it really does follow stages and steps, just like physical development. So it's, it's been well and, and truly studied in, in psychology. But basically, emotional, emotional, emotionally immature people are kind of simple. They're rigid, but they're simple. Um, they tend to be um, uh, quite narrow-minded in the way that their minds work. Um, they're not very complex. Um, they tend to uh, react on the base, basis of emotions instead of thinking things out, but they're really terrified of deep emotion and deep connection. They may react emotionally, but they don't, um, they're not at all comfortable with emotional intimacy at a deep level. And they communicate often by emotional contagion instead of words. Um, in other words, they'll get you to feel as distressed as they feel until you do something about it to make them feel better, if that makes sense. 
Mm. Um, and, and they're also very self-preoccupied. Uh, they're wounded people whose development has been stunted because they didn't get enough emotional intimacy. So it's a, it's a complicated subject, but that's just a little overview um, of how these self-preoccupied people um, end up um, not having the skills to have an emotionally intimate relationship with their children. Well, we're going to take a break now, but when we come back, we will hear more from Dr. Lindsay Gibson, the author of Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. Stay tuned. Dr. Gibson will tell us more about how our upbringing affects our future relationships and sexuality. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. What sets apart voiceamerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main voiceamerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Making Love with Colette Milan. We'd love to hear from you today with your questions and comments. Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to makingloveradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Making Love Radio. I'm your host, Colette Milan. 
I'm here today with Dr. Lindsay Gibson, the author of Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. We're talking about how being raised by emotionally immature parents can affect your marriage and sexuality. So, Dr. Gibson, what are some of the characteristics of an emotionally immature parent? Okay. Um, the uh, best way, I think, to have people relate to those characteristics is to talk about how they are in relationships. And this is kind of a good bridge between your relationship with your parents and your relationship with loved ones as adults or partners because it's the same thing. The uh, emotionally immature parent does the same thing as the emotionally immature partner. So we'll, we'll look at both of them at the same time if that's okay. Yes. Okay. All right. So first of all, uh, there's there's no real communication of any emotional depth in these relationships. Um, it's difficult or impossible to get them to open up about their feelings so that you have a back and forth about emotionally intimate topics. I mentioned before that they use emotional contagion to communicate. This is this is a favorite of people who become passive aggressive. In other words, they they're not saying anything, but wow, you know, you could you could cut the the tension with a knife as they flink away from the confrontation. <laughs> um, so there, uh, we all have experience with that, and they also demand mirroring, and by that I mean. They feel most secure when you act like a mirror. That is, you think the same way they do, you have the same feelings, you have the same values, and they can become quite tense and uh, sort of uh, disagreeable if you are not doing that for them. It makes them feel insecure. And then they they have their self-esteem riding on your compliance with how they see the world. And if there is a problem in the relationship, this, this is where, where it really shows up, um, they really are reluctant, and maybe they don't know how to do relationship repair. So they make few apologies. Um, they tend not to try to make amends for bad behavior. I mean, they may apologize, but... They're not going to sit there and listen to you tell them how it made you feel. Uh, they don't do emotional work. That's the work of imagining what the other person is feeling, anticipating how something's going to affect them. We actually, especially in the service professions, which I know you know all about, Colette, there, um, we're doing a lot of emotional work keeping up with what's going on with the other person. And emotionally immature people just aren't tuned in at that level. The other thing that's very fascinating about them is that even though they often want you to, to give to them or they seem like they want things from you, they are actually very hard to give to. They have what we call in psychology poor receptive capacity, which is kind of like giving water to a sieve. <laughs> it just kind of runs right through them, and then they send out the message that we can never do enough for them. So they're incredibly frustrating that way. They tell you how to be, and they're very big on roles. 
So if you step out of your role, they're likely to feel extremely uncomfortable and try to use some kind of emotional coercion to get you back into where they feel comfortable with you. And they often uh, end up provoking anger and frustration and loneliness because they just don't have the tools to be in an emotionally intimate relationship. So that, those are some of the, the ways that it feels with both parents and partners later in life. Wow, that, that really helped me to see that. Um, and you kind of answered this, but the next question that I have is, what does emotionally immature behavior look like in an intimate romantic relationship? So if you maybe can just tell us a little bit more, once we get into a relationship with our partner, what are some of the things that we run into if that person is emotionally immature? Oh, okay. Well, with a with a emotionally immature partner, um, and I'm going to just talk about the relationship, and then um, I can go on to to talk about the sexual aspect if you'd like. Um, okay. But but if you have an emotionally immature partner, one of the things that really stands out is that they seem to have a limited attention span when it comes to you and your feelings. Uh, at the beginning of the relationship, they might hyper focus on you, and and you know do a lot of stuff for you and give you a lot of things. Um, but there will also be plenty of moments when you feel overlooked or that they're in a hurry. And we make all kinds of excuses for people when they do that early in the relationship, by the way. Um, and there may be, you know, sort of disconcerting moments of feeling neglected or disrespected early in the relationship. But, again, we tend to make excuses for people. And this is especially likely to happen when they get into a bad mood. And they often do get into bad moods because if they're not getting what they want, just like a very young person, it really unsettles them. They really feel off balance. So with them, with an emotionally immature partner, you can feel either super special to them or completely unimportant. Um, And you often feel like you're being too needy or that you're bothering them for too much attention. And after a while, you start getting the message that, you know, not only are you not cherished, but maybe there's something wrong with you, like maybe you're too sensitive or you're never satisfied. And all this is just because you're trying to establish an emotional connection with them. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it can be very... Frustrating, but it's also, it does a number on your head. You start to doubt yourself. Um, mm. But the um, immaturity in the bedroom, do you want me to address that? Well, first of all, before we go there, uh, I want to ask you, what are the traits of an emotionally mature partner? Because my last mm. question that I want to ask you is, what does it look like in the bedroom when you're with a partner who is emotionally mature versus a partner okay. who is emotionally immature? So let's go to the traits of an emotionally mature partner. Tell me about that. Okay. Well, first of all, um, they respect your boundaries as a as a uh, separate person. 
One of the things that fools people early on in a relationship with an emotionally immature partner is that they will sometimes um, come across your boundaries and sort of uh, tell you how you should feel or they'll kind of get in your business. or And lots of times to a child, well, an adult child, who has grown up with emotional neglect and not feeling important to their parents, this kind of boundary crossing is experienced as, wow, they're really interested in me, and I'm so important to them that he wants to know where I am all the time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so <laughs> so you don't realize that, that this is not respectful boundary-wise, and instead, for a long time, might find that kind of uh, intrusiveness and control attractive. Uh, but the emotionally mature person will absolutely respect your boundaries as a person. They also, um, they give back their reciprocal. So if you do something for them, they look for an opportunity to repay that. There's, there's a back and forth that naturally goes on with a mature person that doesn't happen with an emotionally immature person. They also, um, this is nice, they are even-tempered. Uh-huh. That is a real sign of emotional maturity. Uh, and they're not touchy. In other words, they don't take everything personally. They don't read stuff into what you say or analyze your motives or tell you what you really meant by that. They just have good boundaries that way. Um, they're flexible. They compromise well. And they're willing to be affected and influenced by other people, which is a wonderful trait. I don't think we realize how important that is. But if someone is willing to be affected by their partner, they can learn so much about the other person. And, of course, you know, that's incredibly important in lovemaking as well. And their empathy will make you feel safe and seen. You feel understood by them because it's natural to them because they are interested in your inner world. They are good comforters. They like to be comforted, too. They don't mind being vulnerable. And they're enjoyable to be around. I mean, they can laugh. They can be playful. They're not always looking to take offense. So their ability to understand when they've hurt you is excellent because they have great empathy. And then they know how to apologize and make amends. So everything comes back full circle to a balanced relationship in which both people are important. So that's the um, those are the the overall traits of the emotionally mature partner. Wow, that really helped me, and I love hearing about those traits. Um, so I do want to go to the last question I have, which is, what does it look like sexually uh, or in the bedroom? when you are with a partner who is emotionally mature versus a partner who is emotionally immature? Okay. Um, I think I'll start with the immature partner because Mm -hmm. it's a little more dramatic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and it's dramatic because um, it's really uh, tends toward the extremes. Um, but basically, just like in the emotional relationship, it, it tends toward one person's needs taking uh, precedence over the uh, expense of the others. 
And there is often, whether they're overtly showing this or not, there's sort of an inner attitude that I should get to control how this goes um, as opposed to a more mutual uh, approach. Because you got to remember that emotional immaturity means that you are not a secure or confident person deep down. You're kind of uh, anxious a lot. So having control um, and kind of rigid roles is also important to the emotionally immature person. And there's, there's sort of like a faint cloud of judgment um, hanging over the experience instead of really connecting at a soul level. It's sort of like, how are we doing? How is this going? Um, are you paying enough attention to me? That kind of uh, scorekeeping. And there can also be getting in a bad mood um, if it doesn't go the way that you envisioned if you're emotionally immature. So it ends up, sex ends up becoming a little rigid um, and pressured or people may feel kind of a strain because they start worrying about are they pleasing the emotionally immature person enough. So then they may start acting in ways that they think will please that partner, but then they're losing contact with their own vitality and sexual pleasure. So it, it begins to be an unsatisfying experience. And also, the, the sexually immature partner tends to be more self-preoccupied than interested in connection and being generous with their partner. So that's just a sketch of what it might feel like with an immature partner. And as you might guess, the mature partner um, is capable of trust and emotional intimacy. So you start off feeling safe with them. You feel like you can have an exchange, um, that you can communicate with each other about what you like and don't like, and that no one's feelings are going to be hurt, and that nobody needs to feel in charge, that there's a reciprocity and a mutuality, both emotionally and sexually. And then, of course, with a mature relationship, both people are opening up and welcoming the other. And there's spontaneity, empathy for each other. You know, hopefully there's playfulness and um, curiosity. And, and then we also give each other reassurance in many different little ways that it's sort of like, I'm okay, you're okay. It, it's very important, you know, to know that you're making your partner happy. And that's expressed because... The mature person is not afraid of letting another person know how they feel or that they need that other person. So <clears throat> it results in a sense of continuing to feel cherished and lovable no matter what. It's, it's a relaxing and it's a safe experience because you've got two grown-ups um, that can think of other people besides themselves. Sounds very fulfilling. Yes. <laughs> Refreshing. Um, <laughs> yes. Dr. Lindsay, uh, I'm just loving this interview. Well, we have to take a break now, but coming up, we are going to talk to a woman who has personal experience with being raised by immature parents, and she is going to share how those experiences have affected her marriage and her sexuality. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Making Love with Colette Milan. We'd love to hear from you today with your questions and comments. Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to makingloveradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Making Love Radio. I'm your host, Colette Milan. Today, I have been talking to Dr. Lindsay Gibson, the author of Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. Now, I want to bring on Tiffany. Mm. Tiffany is going to share her personal experiences of what it's been like for her to be raised by emotionally immature parents. She is going to talk about how those experiences have affected her marriage and her sexuality. Tiffany, what was it like for you growing up with your parents? In particular, what was your father like? Yeah, um, I was raised mostly by my mom. My parents were separated before I was born. So my interactions with my father were mostly on weekend visits and summer vacations. Um, My mom had remarried a couple times, um, and I never actually lived with my father. Um, The visits with my dad, um, as long as things went well, were really pleasant and positive. Um, Like Dr. Gibson has talked about, there was kind of a role I was meant to play. I was an extension of him, and as long as I made that look good or kind of followed the script, everything went really well, and it was fun. Um, but if I started to exert my own opinion or what I wanted, 
um, things could even become a little bit threatening, not necessarily in a physical way, but in, um, you know, withdrawal of affection. Sometimes he would take away things that he had given me as gifts and in a couple cases even threatened to not let me go home. Mm. Okay. Um, that does relate to what Dr. Gibson said. And um, tell me about what your relationship was like with your mother. Um, with my mom, um, I adored her. I felt very protective of her, and I probably still do. Um, she experienced domestic violence um, in some of her relationships, but hid it from her kids um, as much as she could. Uh she actually, um, after reading part of Dr. Gibson's book, she didn't have a very good relationship with her mom, so she was very effusively affectionate with her children, but she also mm. is very childlike, I think. Um, she wears her emotions on her sleeve. Um, she, Because she was a single mom, I think she overshared, as she confided in her children, and um, that was something I experienced quite a bit with her, um, where she would share things that probably weren't appropriate for me as a young teenager, especially about her sex life with my stepfather um, or things that she had gone through. Um, But I was allowed to um, explore myself emotionally, and um, that was something I believe kind of was a gift. I was allowed to um, develop in that way um, and kind of gain a sense of empathy, which I really appreciate. Yeah, it sounds like you have mixed feelings about your mother. Like, on one hand, you did have a sense of emotional intimacy with her. uh, And yet, on the other hand, sometimes um, she was somewhat inappropriate with you. And sometimes you kind of felt like the parent in the relationship. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So... Um, I I wanted to ask you, um, what did you find yourself doing in order to cope in your relationship, um, with especially with your father? Yeah, um, one ex- there's a couple well couple experiences, but um, one of them when I was three years old, we went to Disneyland, and I remember him wanting me to take a nap, and um, I looked. I told him I didn't want to, and he looked down at me and started crying and said, I'm really disappointed in you. And I remember at that time feeling this overwhelming sense of this is my fault, I need to make him feel better, and deciding that I needed to take a nap in order to make him happy again. And um, another time um, was one of those experiences where he threatened to not let me go home, and I had kind of a real distinct almost shift where I just had the thought, if I give in and I really am super pleasant and tell him that I'm just so grateful that I get to have this experience with him and I'm sorry and this is all my fault, I'm just not being respectful and I'm just so grateful you're here. And as soon as I did that, he started crying and telling me how much he loved me and that he appreciated he could see that I saw things from his side. And I just played that role until he took me home and then... um, and and knew that that was my safety. As long as I made him happy, I could go home. And so, oh, um, so can I jump in here, Paula? Yes, Lindsay, do. Oh, I, I, uh, Tiffany. Hi, it's Lindsay Gibson hi. here. You are one of the most articulate people I've ever heard describe your relationship with emotionally immature parents. I mean, 
Isn't that something that you remember the very moment when sort of the light went on and you understood what you were up against and what was the best way to survive that? That's yeah. amazing you had that self-awareness. That's and what I, I was I thinking. Think, <laughs> yeah, I learned pretty young that it was, I think I, I had a sense that it was them and that um, I didn't, like, I remember at a very young age my father telling me, you're going to hate being a short woman because I'm really petite. And um, and I remember thinking, I think I was six, and I thought, that's weird. I, why would I have a problem with that? So I remember at a very young age being able to realize this was him, not me. But I learned and really entrenched the behaviors in order to keep emotionally safe. Yeah. So. Yes. That, uh, but um, isn't that wonderful that we... <clears throat> Excuse me. That we do have that observer in us from a very early age. Yeah. Hmm. So, Tiffany, um, I wanted to ask you: How did your relationship with your father affect the approach that you took in your relationship later with your husband? Um, I think a lot of those same reactions that had been learned. Um, I I noticed like if uh, I mean if my husband even gets upset like hey the dishes have been sitting there for a couple of days can we get those cleaned up because I tend not to be the best housekeeper <laughs> not my strong point um, I I would kind of just start getting them up mentally fuzzy um, start kind of shutting down my tongue would feel heavy and I would just kind of make myself small. Um, and just try and hurry and get things done to let the situation pass over, even if he wasn't being overwhelmingly, you know, like upset, just kind of mild irritation. So if he ever got more upset, I it was even more pronounced. Um, and I also, um, I feel like it's important, because I rec- recognize at such a young age that my parents were emotionally immature, um, I really turned to religion almost in a fundamental way as my parent, and so I took things extremely literally, and because I loved my mom so much, but I knew she'd made mistakes, I really felt like I had to be good enough to bargain on her behalf and um, with God or, you know, to be able to have her, you know, in the next life or whatever. And so I really um, went through some struggles, and I was kind of really entrenched in that stage when I met my husband, and so... I was looking for someone who was perfect and stable, and he came from a very stable, what we thought, very perfect, stable family. So when we married, I really submitted to him almost like a child, like, you know better, I'll listen to you, and kind of set up the the relationship in that way so that, you know, almost like he didn't have a chance to get to know me because I just walked in as, you'll know best and I'll just do what you say, um, even if that wasn't what he would have chosen or started out as. It kind of trained that into the relationship quite early. Mm -hmm. So, Tiffany, um, how has your sexuality been affected by what you went through with your parents? I think um, because I was so focused on being good um, to be able to make things better, morally or being, you know, trying to be perfect, I shut down. I got some very strange ideas about sexuality. I believed it could be really fulfilling, but I also believed it had to be um, within some very narrow confines. Um, I didn't ever, I don't think the entire time I was dating and 
um, preparing to get married did I ever consider what my own sexual interests were or what my sexual needs were or what turned me on. It was um, very much about um, I wanted to have a good father for my children. I wanted to have someone who, I mean, ideally that concept of emotional intimacy is probably what my idea and my fantasy was to have that um, just to be seen after my entire life of not being and being discarded and having to give in to other people, I hoped that that would kind of just be the thing that would be my fairy tale, would be someone that could just see me and love me for all of my quirks. Um, but I didn't have the skills to be able to even express that or to um, know how to allow myself to be that way. Um, and so I, it's something I've really suppressed and shut down, and especially over the years, because of the oversharing of my mom. If my husband wanted sex more than I did, then I was, I assumed he had some of the same abusive behaviors as some of my, as my father or my stepfathers, rather than being able to talk about it and understand even what a normal man experiences as far as sex. And so, um, overreacting to a lot of the things that my husband was trying to express, and I was very lucky because he has always been very much about wanting me to enjoy it, and so that's been something at least that he's tried to make something pleasant for me and wanted to experience it with me, and that's been one of the heartaches I think that we've gone through is that I I could just as well go without it and not experience it at all and probably think I was happy. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking that that so often in when you've been raised um, with uh, emotionally immature people that closeness in relationships you know can feel like a kind of a combination of being a burden and a trap um, mm-hmm. because you, you feel like you have to give up so much of yourself in order to keep the relationship going and yeah that, I think you know that that word of, of tragedy is, is a good one because it really does, you know, when both of you want the same thing, but you've been conditioned one way and it's hard to talk about it, you know, to make it go another way, it, it really is, uh, it's, it's really a, a sad thing, but it's so wonderful that you're doing the work to figure out how to be different uh, in your relationship so that the future can be better. Yeah. Um, one thing I have noticed, and um, this is one thing my husband's mentioned, is he says he, I have a wall, and so if I, he can, you know, say something, and he says I can see the wall almost physically go up, and it can take, he says it'll take me weeks to get that back, get back behind that. And through therapy, um, I had a therapist talk to me about boundaries, and I thought that wall was my boundary and my safe space because it was either completely shut off or I felt like I was flayed and standing in a sandstorm. It was just vulnerability felt so raw and painful, yeah. and learning that a boundary is permeable and that it lets love and good things in and out, but it also allows me to say, but this is going to be a deal breaker. This is something I'm not going to except but I can still allow things in. And so that's been something I've been learning because boundary boundaries are not something I was um, even remotely taught about. That's not something that has ever been part of my vocabulary until just recently as I've learned how to work through these things. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? 
Yeah. It's amazing how much you've done. I'm like sitting here thinking how many people could actually look at themselves and go through this the way you're going through it. It's taken yeah, I was a lot of work. Thanks a lot. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany, is there anything else that you have realized, you know, uh, about how you were raised and how it's affected your ability to be intimate with your husband? Um, I think mostly just realizing that I I need to learn how to um, speak my kind of speak my truth, be able to say things. And one of the things that we've really worked on is learning how to communicate. And there was a lot of time, probably 20 years, because we've been married over 21 years. Um, there probably until just recently, like the last year possibly, that I've been able to even say when I'm upset, I usually just suppress it and thought, well, if I just, my idea was if my husband was happy or if my father was happy, then I was happy. But really what it meant was if they're happy, I'm safe. And mm-hmm. um, and so that's um, something I've had to really focus on. And also one of the concepts of just what are your emotional needs and for me to sit there at a, at a blank and say, well, I don't know because... Um, I taught myself for many years that I don't have emotional needs. It's not a need if you can continue breathing without it. And so for me, that meant this isn't a need. I need to just relinquish all of that and just learn to be happy in my life without changing anything or changing anybody else. But at the same time, it's taken a lot of work, and it's still something I'm working on to be able to express. This is something I need, and to even be able to vocalize that has been extremely difficult and taking probably more work than it is to accept the things that I've experienced. Okay. Well, this has been a great show, and I hate to end, but it looks like we've run out of time. Next week, we're going to have another fabulous show. Um, Be sure to, if you want to learn more about Dr. Gibson and her book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, visit her website at drlindsaygibson.com. And be sure to visit our website at www.sextherapyutah.com, where you can listen to any of our radio shows at your convenience. Um, Until we meet again, have a great weekend, and remember... Making love really does make more love, and real love is essential to great sex. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to join your host, Colette Milan, for another edition of Making Love next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great weekend, and remember these two things. Lovemaking really will make more love in your relationship. And real love is essential to good sex. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 